Welcome to Anil Arana Live. Recorded live during his missions around the world, these podcasts feature audio sermons and reflections from internationally renowned preacher and retreat leader Anil Arana. For more audio podcasts, video sermons, and articles, please visit www.hsiweb.org or www.anilarana.com. How's everybody doing? Was that good worship or was that good worship? I almost wanted to say, forget the sermon, we'll just worship God tonight. Because quite honestly, if we want bondages broken, if we want blessings from God, if we want the anointing we continuously seek from Him, all we need to do is to worship Him. We are going to do a lot of that tonight. And in fact, in between every point that I make, we're going to pray and we're going to worship. Because I think tonight is going to be, I hope every night is like that, but I think tonight is going to be very catalytic. It is going to be transformational. It is going to do something very new in our lives. So can we say amen to that, please? We just concluded a 21-day fast. For 21 days, thousands of people around the world joined us in a fast for the breaking of all bondages. And the reason we started this fast was because I noticed that a lot of our parishes seemed to be in chains. I noticed a lot of ministries, including our own, seemed to be struggling with a lot of problems. I noticed a lot of families were going through a lot of struggles, a lot of trauma. And I noticed a lot of us, individuals, were also going through a lot of pain. And I know that week after week we come and we pray, but I also realized that things were not happening. So then I looked at Scripture, and Scripture says clearly that sometimes fasting and prayer is required. And so we said, let's do this. Let's do this for 21 days. And why 21 days? 21 days because many, many years ago, there was a man called Daniel who made a prayer to God. And God heard his prayer instantly, and he sent an angel to answer Daniel. But it took 21 days for the angel to actually come to Daniel. Because for those 21 days, there was a force of darkness that was preventing the angel from reaching Daniel. And so we decided to do 21 days. And I'm very, very happy to tell you that God really did some amazing things in these 21 days. Parishes that were close to us for years have suddenly started to open. I say praise the Lord for that. Our ministry that was growing very rapidly but was going through also struggles of different sorts, had these struggles, had these weaknesses, had these sicknesses exposed and fixed. Let's say, praise the Lord for that too. And a lot of our families that were struggling, that were in pain, that were in trouble, have started to get healed. And I'm very happy to testify that my family is one of them. And finally, we come to individual selves, and I know that a lot of people have been struggling with a lot of addictions and a lot of weaknesses and a lot of things that tied them down have been set free. 
Speaking for the people I know, or people in the office, almost every one of us did the 21 days together. And every one of them testified that this fast for 21 days changed, the, changed them and set them free. And I'm pretty sure that everyone who joined in felt the same thing. So let's put our hands together one last time for them. Now the fast is over. What can we expect tonight? For 21 days, we have shaken the strongholds that the enemy has built. Strongholds in our relationships, strongholds in our lives, strongholds in our ministries, strongholds in our parishes, strongholds in the world. We have shaken them. 21 days of fasting has shaken them. Some still stand, however, and what we're going to do here tonight is push the last of them over so everybody here walks free. But it is not enough for me that you walk free. We need to understand how to live free and how to live forever free. So what I'm going to do in the next 45 minutes, or however time I have, however much time I have, is to take you through seven steps. And I hope that you will remember these seven steps because if you truly follow these seven steps every day in a little, way, a little way or another, God will continue to make sure that the freedom that you receive today is always yours. So are you ready? Begins with step number one, conversion. Say conversion. conversion. Now most of us understand conversion to mean converting from another faith, the converting from a state of disbelief in God to a state where you believe in Christ, accept him as Lord and Savior. And that is one form of conversion. Before the Christian, he has to undergo conversion every single day. You wake up in the morning and you look at your life and you say, God, thank you for this day. Thank you for my life. But I can see that there are things wrong in it and I need to fix them with your help. Because you know what? One of the ironies of our faith is the holier the Christian gets, the more sinful he discovers that he is. Why is that? Have you ever seen sunlight streaming through a room? And you will see in that ray of sunlight a lot of specks dancing around. Do you ever notice that? And that is what happens when you start to live in the light. God starts to show you these thousands of little specks that need to be corrected. Now you might say, thousands of specks, how can I possibly fix it all? Trust God. God will fix it all because what he wants you to be holy as he is holy. Scripture says, okay, surrender yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will run from you. And then it says, draw near to God and God will draw close to you. That's James 4, 7, and 8. Let me repeat the second part of it. Resist the devil. You can't sit down peacefully, leisurely, and say, God is going to do everything. God says, you do your part, and your part is to resist the devil. Then he says, draw close to me, and I will draw closer to you. And this is a daily process. And when you draw closer to God, God kind of shows you this, 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 all these little specks over there, and he says, you need to fix it. And when he shows you these specks, what do you need to do? Without justification, without making excuses, you got to say to God, I acknowledge I've been doing these things. I am sorry for them. You repent. 
The essential part of conversion is repentance. Say repentance. Now it's not enough to say, I am sorry just to God. I'll tell you why in a minute. It is not enough just to say, I'm sorry to God and forget about things. Why? Because it is too easy. You don't take responsibility for your sins. You don't take responsibility for your actions when you kind of do the easy way. So what does God say? He says, confess your sins to one another. Check scripture and he says, if you have the courage to rectify your sins, if you really are sorry for your sins, confess your sins to each other. Boy, can you imagine me going and telling Arlene all my sins? Arlene will close her ears and say, no, please never come close to me again. But then I'm not going to go to Arlene. Why? Because we have been blessed in the church to have an individual present there who stands for Jesus. And when you go to him, you can confidently unburden yourself of every sin that you have committed, knowing that he has sworn to keep his lips sealed for all eternity. And if he so much as whispers something that you say to him, he will be excommunicated, he will be defrocked, and I'm telling you, his soul is in jeopardy of being sent to hell for all eternity unless he repents. Is everybody with me? So there is one person that you can trust and there is one person that you should trust because when you go to him, you're basically humbling yourself before God and saying, God, I'm willing to go to another man who stands there for you and saying to that man who stands there for you, I'm sorry for my sins. And with that comes so much of grace because when the priest says your sins are forgiven, you're absolved, go in peace, you actually can go in peace. You know what I'm going to ask you to do next, right? Go for confession. Say it. Say it again. Like I said, we're going to keep praying after every step. And what I would like you to do is to pray with me now. What I would like you to do is stand up and pray with me now. We're going to keep doing this right through. Repeat after me. Father God, I understand I need conversion every day. I understand. I need to draw closer to you every day. And when I do that, you will draw closer to me. I understand. I need to resist the devil, his temptations. And when I do, he will flee from me. I also understand. I need to confess my sins to my brothers or sisters. But I am so grateful that I can confess them to a priest instead. Give me the courage and the humility to make a good confession at the earliest. For now, I want to say, Lord, I'm sorry for everything I have done. Please forgive me. I accept your forgiveness with much gratitude. Amen. Please be seated. Two, renunciation. Say renunciation. 
It's not enough to tell God you're sorry. You've got to say no more. Imagine for a moment that you're a drunkard, okay? I'm hoping none of you are, but imagine for a moment that you are, and you get drunk and you go and beat up your wife. There are drunkards who do that. Imagine you wake up the next morning and you're sober, and hopefully you're sorry, and you go to your wife and apologize. I'm asking the women now, is there any meaning to that apology if you know your husband is just going to go that night, get drunk and come home and hammer you again. So when you say this, sorry to God, when you tell him, you, I'm really deeply sorry for everything that I've done. I'm, you got to also say to him, I'm never ever going to do this again. And when you say that with meaning in your heart, with intention in your heart, God starts to give you the power you need to be able to do what you tell him you're going to do. Now there are many things that we do without understanding. I know there are good Christians who go and do new age stuff and they kind of follow non-Christian practices. They do things that they might not know are not good. They read the horoscopes in the morning in the newspaper. They give their palms for people to read. They pass by a fair and they go and get their fortune told by someone who has a crystal ball there. And they don't understand that all these things are wrong. Now, I don't have time to give you a full lesson on this. I spend some time Googling New Age movements. Googling things that are offensive to God because of our faith. And be truly repentful for them, but it's not enough to just say, I'm sorry. You gotta renounce these things. You gotta say, Lord, I renounce the spirit of occultism. I renounce the spirit of Ouija. I renounce the spirit of yoga. I renounce the spirit of all these things that we kind of take for granted that it's okay to do. You have to renounce them. You also need to take what you've given to others back. And I suspect that all of you are about to get a shock of your life now because you don't realize how easily you give what is yours to somebody else. How many of you have ever fallen in love? Raise your hands. No, don't. Don't bother. And how many of you have told the person that you love, my heart is yours. My heart belongs to you. We mean well. It's a nice thing to say, very romantic. Isn't it? But your heart is not yours to give anybody else. Because do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells in you? You're not your own. You were bought at a price and the price was every drop of Jesus' blood. You belong to him. And when you belong to him, you don't have it in you, in your power to be able to give any part of you. And I use heart because a lot of people give all parts of their bodies to other people and say, this belongs to you. Today you're going to take it back. You might find it difficult to go to the person you gave your heart to. You might have given it to about five different people. Or whatever other parts of your body you give to whoever, you might not be able to go to the person. But you're going to tell God here tonight, I'm taking all that back and I'm giving it to you because it belongs to you. Don't take what I'm saying lightly. 
We're trying to break bondages here. And one of the reasons we are in bondages is because we have given shares of ourselves to so many other people. And I want you to think about that and be very careful in future about giving anything to anybody. They might ask you for it. It's not yours to give because it belongs to God. Are you all listening to me? And this goes for even husbands and wives, all right? This goes for everybody. So before we move to the next step, can we make another prayer? Please stand up. Father God, I renounce every spirit that is not from your kingdom. I renounce the spirit of lust, of greed, of pride, of arrogance, obstinacy. I renounce the spirit of yoga, black magic, and every occultic thing that is out there. I take back whatever is mine that I gave to somebody else with or without realization that I belong to you and everything about me belongs to you. I take it back, Lord, and I give it to you. I am yours and I will be forever yours. And yours alone. Amen. Please be seated. We go to the third thing now. And that is faith. You do understand I'm rushing through things, yeah? And I don't have the time to explain everything in detail. But I hope that whatever little God says to you about each subject is enough to give you an understanding of what you need to do in future. Now we all believe in Jesus, yes? I'm so happy. But the problem is we don't believe in everything that Jesus says. We like to pick and choose. We like to choose what is convenient for us to believe and discard the rest. Now, if you believe in Jesus, you have to believe that every single thing that he says has to be accepted and you can't pick and choose what you want to choose. You can't say, Lord, I'm going to do this, you know, but this kind of excuse it, let it be, let it go. Very often we run away from the things that God asks us to do. We run away in different ways. And one of the ways is what I spoke about a few weeks ago. We kind of think that I can't get away with this and I'm not going to get into any trouble because of that. And the way of running is fantasizing. And whenever we think of fantasizing, we think of using imagination for sexual purposes, but it isn't only that. It is believing that we're going to duck hell and we're all going to go to heaven. And that's a fantasy for somebody who disobeys God continuously. So faith is listening to the things that God asks us to do, believing everything that he asks us to do and saying, yes, Lord, I will obey. Now, what is he asking you to do today? He's already told you many things. Now you can leave here, trust me, you can leave here and you can say, hell with all of that, I don't buy it. I like to talk about grace that brother gives and other preachers have started giving these days. 
that I can do whatever I want and I'm going to heaven. But that is not the truth. And if I tell you that is the truth, I do so at the risk of you losing your souls. And I am not willing to take that risk. Faith. I believe in God. I believe that he's the Lord of this universe. I believe in who he is and I believe in who I am in him. And there are many things that we declare and many things that we profess. But for the purpose of today's exercise, I just want us to profess the creed. All of you know the creed? So that is the prayer we're going to make. Please stand up. Let us first renounce Satan. Say, Lord, I renounce Satan. And all his works. And all his empty promises. And now we'll say the creed together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, O Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, was born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended unto hell, and the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. I believe. Say, I believe. I believe, I believe in these things. I, I declare them I with full conscious knowledge, full knowledge of their truth. Of their truth. Amen. Please be seated. We go to the fourth one, and the fourth one is to surrender. I was moved to tears during one of the worship songs today. It was the one about broken hearts and broken toys or something like that. And I realized how many of us do that? No? How many of you have had your heart broken? Don't answer. The answer would be yes to everyone who answered yes to the earlier question, have you ever fallen in love? Because for some reason when you fall in love, people break your hearts, don't they? Well, at least the first time maybe. How many of us have had dreams dreams to achieve things, dreams to do so many things, and we've had those broken as well. And we're walking, talking, wounded soldiers here. I felt the pain of my own journey. Because sometimes I don't want to be here. Sometimes I just want to give it all up and Say, Lord, find somebody else. And then came the part where they sang about laying it all down and how he was going to take away all our sadness and all our pain and give us joy. And I said, Lord, I'm not happy. 
Now you might wonder why I'm confessing these things to you because I go through the same stuff you go through. I've never pretended. And then he said, why don't you do what the song says? Why don't you lay it down? Your pain, your struggles, your even your anger towards me sometimes. And I do get angry with him sometimes. Lay it down. Why don't you just lay it down and see what happens? So I laid it down. And the next thing I knew was there was sunlight everywhere. I was just bathed in this radiant light and It was so easy. I always tell people our faith is so easy, but sometimes we make it so hard. I'll tell you what is hard. It is hard to let go sometimes. Because when you let go, it is, it is giving up control. And it is so nice to have that control, no? Of your life, of your destiny, all the plans that you make all the things you want to achieve. As long as you have a grip, you think, yes, I can do it. But as long as you have a grip, what is happening? There's that worry and there's that frustration and there's that anger and there's that unhappiness and there's that struggle. And God says, you're an idiot and I'm talking to you. If you continue to struggle and go through pain when all you need to do is lay it down. So that's what he's saying today, to lay it down. Because when everything that you give him is in his hands, the devil can't touch you. The devil can't take those things that you're struggling with because they're in God's hands and the devil cannot approach him. So whatever dreams there are burning in your hearts, whatever pain is there that doesn't let you sleep at night, Whatever plans you're making, lay it down at the feet of Jesus and let him handle them. And then see what happens to those dreams, to those plans, and to your heart and your mind. And it is so easy if you just think about it. And I'm talking to you as Jesus is teaching me because he's saying, you need to do this too. You need to lay it down. You need to let go. So much is that that troubles us now. Day after day, today we lay it down. And pursue one thing. God says, I want you to be pure. God says, I want you to be holy. God says, I want you to be perfect. God says these things. And all of us have a will. And God says, use that will. Make every effort, he says, right through scripture to be this holy, pure, perfect person that I've created you to be. That is the one thing we must seek. Now you might say, what about grace? Grace comes when God sees how eager you are to achieve his plan for you. To achieve his purpose for you. His grace will start to flow and then everything becomes so easy. So why take the hard route? Why do it the difficult way? When God says, here is an easy way to do it. So are you willing to lay down at his feet now? 
Whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever baggage you walk in here with, whatever heartache you came with, whatever toys you had, whatever dreams you had that were broken, broken into a million pieces, lay it down. Because as long as you're there reflecting on these broken toys, as long as you're there frustrated about these broken dreams, you will not be able to see the new toys that God wants to give you. You will not be able to see the new dreams he wants to give you. And there are such beautiful dreams. Such a beautiful life ahead for all of us. Lay it down. Lay the baggage of the past down. And understand it's all lies. It's all lies fed to you by the devil. Broken toys laid down. Broken hearts laid down. Broken dreams laid down. Will you do that here tonight? Stand up. Father God, you know my life. You know everything that has gone right. You know everything that has gone wrong. Today, Lord, I lay it all down. The good and the bad. I give you my heart. I give you my mind. I give you my body. I give you my work. I give you my family. I give you my relationships. I give you everything I have, Lord. For your joy. Because that is what you have promised me. And I want to see the light. Not only tonight. But every day of my life, as I live a surrendered life. Amen. Please be seated. Are you getting tired? I'm going to rush through this because I want to have some worship. And besides God saying... He wants to do something very different with you here tonight. He says all of you came here expecting something big, didn't you? Did you? Yes. What did you expect? Can I ask you? You came here expecting things, right? So what did you come expecting? Does everyone have bondages? Yes, no? Yes. Why are you scared to say yes? <clears throat> Why do you think I admitted what I go through to you? I told you I struggle with <clears throat> many things that you struggle with. But I refuse to believe that that is my end game. That I'm going to continue struggling. And every day that I am delivered of one bondage, I am liberated. And one day when Jesus returns, as the Bible promised, I will be a reflection of him. I will be like him in every way. And until then, every day is a struggle for all of us. And Xenia is one of our ladies in the office, and she was there in charge of listening to my talk. And she says, if every day is a struggle... And why should we bother? Isn't it tiring? And I'm sure some of you are thinking the same thing. I mean, every day, every day is such a 
burden. I want to talk a minute about mountain climbing. Now, I, I don't know if there are any mountaineers here. Are there any mountain climbers here? I didn't think so. Nobody? No? <clears throat> okay, there's, there's, there's no one who's ever climbed a mountain. Why would anybody want to climb a mountain? I mean, you can take a helicopter and go and land on the top, no? Why do the climbing? So hard, so arduous, so dangerous, even sometimes. You do it because in the human heart, there burns the spirit of adventure. And you climb on the mountain because you know once you reach the top, you have attained something, you've achieved something, you've accomplished something. And what happens when you get on top there is you kind of enjoy the view for a little while, then you get back down. But you know what you do in a few months? You look for another mountain to climb. The Christian journey is like that. And that's the way I want us to look at it, like an adventure. Because every time I climb a mountain, every time I've overcome something in my life, I find a sense of victory. I find a sense of joy. I find a sense of exhilaration. So I come back again and I say, okay, where's the next mountain? And sometimes I get tired because mountain climbing is tiresome. But here's when the beauty of God comes in. That every now and then he'll take you to a valley, a green pasture. And he'll say, now you rest. You rest for weeks. And over there, I'm telling you, you have such a beautiful time surrounded by the grace of God. When there is nothing that can harm you, nothing that can trouble you. And then once you've kind of recovered, what do you look for? Another mountain to climb. That's what we're going to talk about. Very quickly, we're going to go to the next point over here, which is remove stumbling blocks. Read that out. Read what comes after that. Now I want to see how honest you are. How many of you are proud over here? Please stand up. God help those who are sitting down. Because I'm going to chew you out so badly you will not believe it. Those who have stood up are actually humble people. Because you acknowledge that you are prideful people. Those who remain seated are actually very proud people because they think they're humble. Do you see the point I'm making? It's because intrinsically all of us have the spirit of pride within us where we think we're better than everybody else. I'm sure that people are sitting down when everybody stood up. The first thing that went across their mind is, look, I'm better than all of them. Because I'm humble. Was they're proud. Do you see what I'm saying? It's not to make fun of anybody. It's to show us how easily we fall into deception. Please be seated. Sorry for embarrassing you if you got embarrassed. Pride is one of the seven deadly sins that actually leads to all the other sins. And I don't think there's a single human being alive on this planet who in some form or another is not proud. And you will see that reflected in conversations when you want your opinion to count and the other person's opinion not to count at all. 
You'll find it in your offices when you kind of want to win every argument that you ever have with somebody. You'll find it in your relationships, especially at home, when your spouse will tell you something and you will disagree, sometimes on principle. I know people will argue for the sake of arguing. Just because somebody says yes, they will say no, even though in their heart they want to say yes. And you know what I'm talking about. And it is dangerous. I've seen pride in this ministry. People that you imagine would be humble. For the longest time, you've taught them and taught them and taught them. You've taught them how Jesus was. You've taught them how Jesus actually knelt down before somebody, before his apostles, kissed their feet. And how Jesus steps back afterwards. And I don't think we get this. He is God and he knelt before man. He knelt before one of us dirty, sinful, insignificant creatures and he kissed their feet. Take off your shoe. Go on, take off your shoe. Give me your foot. And then he sold his people. You call me master and you call me leader and that is what I am. But if I, your leader, can kiss your feet, then you as people who know me should kiss each other's feet. And I need us to understand this deep down inside. Because it breaks my heart to see pride in people. Especially pride in people that I work with. It breaks my heart into two. Because I think, haven't we learned anything? Haven't we learned anything about humility? And then rebellion. We're constantly challenging people. I'm glad the children are here. How many of them are disobedient to parents? And forget about them at this age. We're disobedient to our parents even now. How many of us think our bosses are useless people and we don't want to listen to them? And what about spouses? And by the way, all this is scriptural, which is what I said earlier. We like to pick what we want and discard what we don't want. And when scripture tells us to be obedient to our parents, we say, okay, sometimes. When scripture says you must be submissive to your husbands, you say, how can I be submissive to him? He's a drunken lout. All he does is sit on the couch watching TV all day long. How can I be submissive to him? This is what Jesus is telling you to do. But you choose, you decide what you want to pick and what you want to leave. I will never forget this, and this is also a personal story. Every story that I have to tell you is personal. This was before my conversion. My wife used to constantly have problems with me, constantly argue with me. I would want my way and she would want her way. And one day her mother told her what scripture said. Scripture says, my daughter, she told my wife, that you must be submissive to your husband. It doesn't matter what Anil says to you, you just do it. You might not like it, but you do it because you are following God. Within two years, God brought me to my knees. And I'm telling you, if she hadn't done that, there's a good chance she'd have had to struggle with me for another six years or seven years. But the fact is, she put her faith into practice and she became submissive to a man who wasn't even a Christian at the time. And see what God does. 
Be submissive to your employers. Be submissive to your authorities. Be submissive to people whom God has put in charge over you because God has put them in charge over you for a reason. And if God has put them in charge, when you disobey the person, you're actually disobeying God. You're saying, God, hey, I don't accept your authority over me because I don't accept the authority of the person you put over me. Now I tell you all the bad things about me. I want to tell you something good about me also. Many, many years ago, I took a vow to my bishop. Now I'm not a priest. I didn't need to take a vow to anybody. But I was starting this ministry and he was kind of supporting me. So I said, Bishop, I want to make you a promise today. I will listen to whatever you ask me to do. I will even close down the ministry if you say close it down. Now the thing with God is that when you say something like that, he will put it to the test. And one day the bishop called me and says, Anil, I need to shut everything down. I didn't ask him a single question. Overnight, everything was closed. Everything was shut down. What does God do? Obedience is better than sacrifice, he says. And look at the way that God honors me now through his bishops all over the world, not just the bishop over here. <laughs> Obey. Do not be rebellious. And finally, we come to unforgiveness. And my goodness me, I shouldn't even have to talk about this at all because I've spoken about it so many times. But just a very quick examination. I'm not going to make you stand up and embarrass you again by saying, how many of you don't have unforgiveness to stand up? Because I know the truth as well as you do. Think about your husband. Think about your wife. Think about your kids. Think about your brothers, sisters. Think about your parents. Any unforgiveness there? Forget about everybody else tonight. There's simply too much, too much of pain and too little time. Can you very quickly promise to forgive these people? Because you know what happens if you don't forgive? The devil has you in his grip. Pride, rebellion, unforgiveness. The devil has you by the throat. You might say, God deliver me, God deliver me, God deliver me. God says, I can't deliver you because you know what? You're gone to the devil and you said, here, cuff me. Put your chains around me. Beat me in the nose. That's what you do when you have these things in your heart. You sell yourself to the devil and that is what I want you to understand. You have pride in you, the devil owns you. You have rebellion in you, the devil owns you. You have unforgiveness in you, the devil owns you. Let it go. Here tonight, let it go. Forgive everybody. No, don't forgive everybody. Forgive the people closest to you. Forgive your family members for today. Tell God you're sorry for your pride and say, Lord, I'm going to be humble from now on. And know that when you're humble, you become a friend of God because when you're proud, you become an enemy of God because that is what scripture declares. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So when you're proud, you actually go loggerheads with God. We're running out of time. Please stand up. Father God, I am a prideful person. I lay my pride down at your feet. I am a rebellious person. Show me the various ways in which I am proud and rebellious and help me to correct myself in the days and weeks to come. Similarly, help me to forgive everyone 
who has hurt me and set them free. And when I set them free, I set myself also free. I want to be free tonight, Lord. In every way. Especially from the hurt in my heart. So Lord, I lay these down as well. Give me your grace to be humble, to be obedient, and to be forgiving at all times. Amen. Please be seated. What's next? We already did this part in the beginning. I told you why we fast and pray. Now I just finished fasting for 21 days. I have no intention of calling another fast now. But if you ever want to fast and pray, I suggest that you do it. It doesn't need to be for 21 days. Even a three-day fast is tremendous power. Why does fast have power? It is because God looks at you and he sees, hey, this man wants something. He wants something. He wants something so badly that he's willing to fast. He's willing to deny himself of food to get what he wants. And remember, what you want has to be what God wants. So when you want to be blessed, when you want to be pure, when you want to be perfect, and you see this big boulder in front of you that is not moving away, he said, Lord, I can't move this. I need you to move it. And I'm going to do whatever it takes. And I'm going to fast, Lord, but it's not blackmailing God, mind you. He's just telling God, God, I want to be holy so bad. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to be holy. You know, once again, personal example. I used to get angry. Very, very angry. And nothing seemed to work. Nothing seemed to work. And it was so frustrating for me to kind of try and try. And even prayers didn't seem to work. So one day when I got angry, I told God, if I ever got angry again, I was going to lock myself in my prayer room for a week. I got angry again and I kept my word. I went into my, I had a little, small little room that I used for prayer and I kind of locked myself in it. One week, no food, nothing. I just stepped out to have my shower And when I came out from there, I told God, if I ever get angry again, I was going to lose myself in solitary one more time, except not in my room. I was going to do it in the desert. And I was determined, by the way. I was so determined to to break this bondage of anger that I was willing to do whatever it took. And you know what? Fortunately, I never had to go to the desert because God took my anger away. So praise the Lord. Now, where does grace come in? I don't have time to explain how the two work together. But basically what I want you to understand is let God see that you're determined to walk this path no matter what comes your way, okay? And now we move to the final point, which is wear the armor of God, okay? All these things that you've done here today, you've, you know what you've done? You've kind of gone and poked the devil. Even if he's not been troubling you, now he's going to trouble you. Yeah, you've kind of drawn his attention towards you and he's going to come at you. Yeah, like this bull with horns. Have you ever seen a bull charge? That's the way he comes, but usually he doesn't come alone. He brings a few other bulls with him. You stand on your own the way you are now and he just needs to brush past you and I'm telling you, you'll be on the floor. But not if you're dressed for battle. And there are a few things that God t- 
tells you to wear, and very quickly I'm going to go through them. He asks you to wear the belt of truth. Now, Jesus is the truth. But if you practice honesty in your life, which means you speak the truth, no matter what the consequences are, I am telling you, God will protect you so much, you will not even believe the power and strength you have. Because you know what happens when you lie? The devil can come and kind of snip off your belt like that and your pants are going to fall to the ground. Forget about fighting the devil. You can't do anything with your pants on the ground. Would anyone like to demonstrate? No, I didn't think so. The second thing he asks us to do is to wear the breastplate of righteousness. Now, many of us have a breastplate, but it's made of our own righteousness. It's made of the holy things that we do. Wear the righteousness of God, that God has made you righteous. And know that that will protect you. Because when the devil comes at you, you say, hey, I'm wearing the righteousness of God. I believe in Jesus and he's made me pure. So you can do whatever you want. You can't touch me. Then he says, wear the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation is the hope of salvation. is the confident expectation of salvation. And what the devil is going to do, he's going to constantly shoot arrows at you. After this talk, he's going to say, Anil's gone again and told you all these things that you need to do. You're never going to be able to do them. Say, I can do them and I will do them. Because I have the hope of salvation that God has given me. And God has not only shown me the path, he's given me the spirit to make me walk on the path so I will be able to do it. Wear that helmet. The gospel shoes. Read the Bible. Don't just listen to it. Read it and do what it says. Believing every single thing that Jesus says is for you. It is the truth. Carry the shield of faith. Now this is a big shield, all right? So whenever the devil shoots arrows at you, he's going to say all kinds of things to you. He's going to say all kinds of things about you. You just hold the shield up and say, I believe. You know, we made one confession in the beginning. There are other things that Jesus has done for us. You know what those are? I'm redeemed. Say, I'm saved. I'm restored. I'm forgiven. I'm cleansed. I'm washed. I'm pure. I'm holy. I am blessed. I am healed. I am free. I am strong. I am victorious. Hold that shield up. And then finally, there's one more thing left for you to carry. And that is the sword of the Spirit. That is the Word of God. And when you have the Word of God over here, and when you have the Word of God over here, and the devil comes at you or anything, you're going to take that Word of God, you're going to point it straight at him, and say, back off, Charlie. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to back off. In fact, I think he's going to run for his life. Run. Say that loudly. He'll run with his tail between his legs. He's listening to this. And you know what? He's afraid. Why is he afraid? Because we got about 250, 300 people here who are about to take a big sword up and we're going to come at him with it now. We don't have time, so choir, let's get straight to it. Stand up, everybody. We're just going to make declarations of our faith. This is a song that you know because we spent most of last year learning it. I want us to declare these words, truly believing in them. And understanding one thing, 
understanding that we have been given the power and the authority to trample over snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. That we have God's Spirit burning within us, a powerful force that can vanquish anything that comes against us. We have love that burns within our hearts, a great love for each other, for God, and hopefully for those around us. And as we profess these things, let us just believe that in their declaration, declaration made in faith, the devil is going to flee because he has to, because the devil cannot stand when the truth is being spoken and the truth is being spoken now. And this truth will set us free. So let us open our hearts and open our minds and sing, I'm redeemed.
for listening to this coverage. We hope it has blessed you. For more great content, visit our website, www.hsiweb.org, and kindly consider supporting the work we do. God bless you.